Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. Here we go. All right, welcome to Plan for Life Now, episode number 36. Heading towards 40. <laughs> the big 4 Oh, man. You know what? The 40 that I'm headed towards in a couple years, much right. bigger deal than 40 podcast episodes. Wow. I can't uh, believe you're going to be 40. Uh, and I can't believe how long ago that was. Do you realize for my 40th birthday... My dad got me a Sony TV <laughs> that became obsolete three years later. That's how long ago, because it wasn't HDTV, didn't exist then. Right. That's how old, that's how long ago my 40th was, and you're still, how long? A year and a half? A uh, year like and a half till my 40th. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, Happy New Year to everyone. This is our first podcast in the new year. Welcoming everyone back. Hope everybody had good holidays. I did. We had a little nice sort of time off, you know. Except for the super cold part. Oh, yeah. You know what? Today is pretty warm, so I've almost forgotten about that. Well, for me, I... Well, I don't feel like going down this tangent, but you're like... (laughs) You're always warm and I'm always cold. It's a weird thing. But the bottom line is today's... I'm now fine with 38 degrees. Yeah, 38 degrees. I'm in a t-shirt here. This is (laughs) great. No problem. Oh, well, what we wanted to talk about here today on the first podcast back of the year was a wonderful article that was written by our local newspaper. Uh, For those of you who follow us on Facebook, which is not many of you, but if you do, you've already seen us share the link to that. Uh, This was a really nice article written by, um, what's the name of the newspaper, The Town Courier, which is you know one of these local newspapers here in Gaithersburg. And uh, sort of as a little bit of a tangent, I find it interesting that people talk about how the newspaper industry is dying and you know failing New York Times and right. you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, I didn't mean to bring that into it. Um, but local newspapers are sort of an exception to that. Where local newspapers, people still like to get You know, when I was growing up in Fairfax, it was The Connection. Oh, yeah. I remember that. I I actually delivered The Connection for about a couple months. (laughs) I realized how terrible it was. You know what? I actually delivered, I don't know if it was The Post or something. I delivered newspapers for a very short period of time, and then I quit that job. Did you do it in the morning? And and now I remember. Yeah. Oh, it sucked. And and I I think I wiped out the experience. You just brought up. I said, I remember doing that for a short period of time as a... As a kid. No, see, I delivered the connection. It came out Thursday afternoons. You got five cents per house that you delivered it to, but you had to roll the papers yourself, right? Yeah. And I started to get real lazy, and I wouldn't do it until Friday, and then until Saturday, 
and people started to call and complain that they didn't have their connection newspaper. So I decided it wasn't for me. So anyway, but anyway, but now <laughs> years later, you're in a similar type paper, the, yeah, town, the courier town courier here, which is you know our local Gaithersburg paper here, and they do you know various profiles on businesses in the area. And for those of you that come to our Maryland office, um, you know we're in this neighborhood here called the Kentlands, uh, which is also where I live, right here in the neighborhood. And uh, so this this woman did a, a profile piece on us, Sharon Allen uh, Gilder. And she came out, interviewed us, and I was thrilled with the piece that she wrote. I mean, I really thought that she summarized things well. She captured the essence of our business. I think it's great. Like I said, I'd like to be able to uh, come up with all that stuff myself to describe our business. She did a really good... Right. uh, Quite frankly, and we'll just disclose this now, there was no payment involved in this piece. No. Because this looks like a paid puff piece, but the bottom line is it was not, you know, we we didn't give this woman any money. She called us and said that she wanted to interview us. I'm always wary of the press, to be honest with you, because I don't know if they always get it right. Been interviewed before for stuff. Yeah, but But, you know what? And you always take your chances whenever you say, you know, hey, you can interview us. But she seemed like a very nice person and interested in it and thorough in her interviewing of us. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she really sort of summed up our business pretty well. We should uh Yeah, and I wanted to yeah. go through some of these things because I've had, um, you know, just some questions from my wife and my father-in-law. Just as they read the piece, they were interested in things. So I thought it was worthwhile to go through some of these things here. Um, so I highlighted a couple of things. First of all... Um, they talk about, Dave, your long history on the radio. Yeah. I think most of our clients know this, but it probably doesn't hurt to repeat your experience a little bit. Yeah, I don't think most of them know. I think some of them know. Okay, so basically, before I got into... Maybe, maybe I just feel like they all know, because I've think heard you it feel you so many heard it times. a million times. I don't think they all know. I think less people, more than half of the people listening to this don't know. So I got into this business unlike you. You got into this business more in a normal path. I got in in a weird path. I used to be a radio guy. used to be a morning show guy. My name was Dave the Predictor here in town, and I was on a several morning shows with my partner Harris in the morning and we were a pretty big morning show for a while there competing with the Grease Man and Don and Mike and Howard Stern when he was syndicated into DC those were and that was basically my heyday in radio was a long time ago the late 80s um and I was in radio till about 1995 so then I got our radio into I had to because I could have moved to Milwaukee, and we'd actually done pretty well. So I had a family, young, very young family of three at the time. So in 1995, I was only um, 30, how old was I, 40, no, 33 years old. You're 33, strong. 34 years old when I got out of radio, and I could have moved to Milwaukee and made 35000 a year. Okay. Which... Uh, oh, boy, 35000 I'm sure, went a long way in Milwaukee in the 90s. No. Thirty-five never gone a long way unless it was the 1950s or 60s. So, or get out of radio at that point. So that's when I got out and got into really just sort of wanted to do general financial planning mm-hmm. and sort of stumbled into, uh, I just had a passion about long-term care insurance. That's the, the field I wanted to get into. And then 
and the rest is history. So that's basically my background. Yeah, but that, I mean, that sort of explains our whole route of when you got into this business, you were familiar with radio, you used radio to promote the long-term care. Correct. And then when you and I started teaming up, I you know jumped on board with you and we started doing the, the show more broadly on retirement planning. And then you know we've talked about why we got out of radio and, and right. moved to the podcast. You need to talk about how I had to teach you everything you knew about radio. No. I, I, you actually are natural. <laughs> I, I, I didn't have to do anything, and I, I always give you credit for that. Not being from the radio industry, but you are you are always good on the air from the I assumed beginning. it was taken for granted that you taught me everything. So. That's what people think. <laughs> and I want to I say that's not true. So that, that was um, you know a good piece of background. But then what I thought that Sharon did really well in this, because remember, we spoke with her for over an hour. Uh, she was recording. And we had some back and forth on email as well. But you know when you talk to somebody for over an hour, that's a lot of quotes. That's a lot of stuff to go through. So she pulled out, you know, a lot of quotes here in the article, but I really thought that she pulled out ones that, you know, kind of nailed what we do and what we, you know, actually talk about. So I'd highlighted a few things here. Um, you know, one is you talking about emotion in this business, how unbelievable it is. Um, and this is your quote, but the only way to deal with emotions the right way is to put together a plan that's prepared for the bad times so you can explain to clients tangibly why they don't have to panic. Correct. And I mean, this, you know, there's a lot of quotes that summarize what we try to do, but this is, this is one that captures the essence of it, which is if we have a plan in place, then we can feel comfortable knowing the market will go up, the market will go down, but we're prepared for it. And yeah, I think one of the tenets of financial planning, in our opinion, sure. and, and do and, and is preparing for the bad. Right. And the bad is not, on a TV commercial, the bad is someone dies young prematurely and they have life insurance. That would be the worst of the bad. Oh, it's bad. Right. It's bad if you need long-term care and it's cost hundreds of thousands of dollars a year or whatever, and you don't have the insurance. Okay, that's one version of bad, but another bad is simply you're in a mindset that the market's going up, Mm -hmm. and you're not preparing for the violent downs of a market in our business when you need, when you're retired. Yeah. And we, it's not your job to be so emotionally in tune to this as a client, but I think advisors need to have their clients not prepared emotionally but not just prepared emotionally but prepared with a tangible plan yeah because smart people do not take a pat on the back and and a pep talk well when their financial well-being is on the line they need actual numbers (laughs) and a game plan that says here's why you're okay right you know yeah and i mean this is what we learned very well in 2008 as the kind of the prime example of it is a lot of people, a lot of advisors, their response to clients when everything went down is, don't worry, it'll get better. That was it. Don't worry, it'll get better. And you can show people all the charts, and I, I still remember all the charts that showed, well, here are all the previous declines, everything always came back. But that, for a lot of people, that's that's not enough. I mean, that's just, right. that's not enough. So... You know, we always want to structure something that says, okay, you know, we think that things are going to get better, 
But if they don't, or you know, more realistically, they're down for a long period of time. You know, this is not just another regular downturn. This is the next Great Depression. Here's where you are, right? And where you are is not living on the corner and you know, in a box or something. It's still a reasonable situation. Now, it's not as good as if everything goes up, but you know, that's something that people can say, okay, this stinks, but at least I know I'm right here. Right. So um, then you know, in here, you and I are kind of both talking about junk drawer financial planning. And I always love that term and hate that term. <laughs> you know, I love it because it resonates with a lot of people and they understand what you mean by it. You know, junk drawer financial planning is where you've accumulated a lot of financial instruments, different investments, IRAs, CDs, insurance products, but it's not really coordinated. It's just all, everything goes in that junk drawer and you know you've got a lot of stuff. Now, why I don't like it is people think, oh, you say junk drawer, that means it's garbage, right? No, not necessarily. I mean, some of it's good, some of it's not good. The idea is to have this coordinated plan. Yeah, I think actually going forward, I'm starting to look at 2018, the junk drawer thing is a lot of times people might be super overweighted if they're mutual fund investors in the FANG. <laughs> what is the FANG thing? What are the four Facebook, stocks? Amazon, right. Netflix, Google. Right. And as you get to be, junk drawer sort of like you're not organized. So basically you might be in so many funds that are overweighted mm-hmm. in those Right. companies and if we have a downturn often it's the ones that have grown the fastest sure. that start to to you know sort of statistically take over the S&P 500 index right or the ones that go down the hardest temporarily and that makes your that lack of diversity could be more pronounced if and when we have a downturn absolutely um, and I always like this, you know, this is another quote from you, Dave, if someone wants us to pick the best stocks, get them in and out of the market at the right time, that's not what we do. We're not day trading. And I think most people have the reaction, oh yeah, that's ridiculous. I, no one wants day trading, but tell me what you think the best sectors are for next year. And, right. you know, wh- where should we be overweight? And you mentioned, you know, these stocks, that stocks. That's that's an extension of day trading. That's you know trying to time the market and trying to guess where we want to be for a short period of time, being a couple of years rather than a long period of time. And there's nothing wrong with wanting an advisor that wants to do that stuff. Sure. That says they have now Steve and I are no, so, we disagree we're with so it, disbelievers but- in it that we don't feel it's like really in the long haul. It's something that you're going to be able to do consistently, but some people want advisors who, quite frankly, are picking individual stocks and and managing an individual stock portfolio. For us, we look at horizons of 10, 15, and 20 years of our investing, the retirement right. years, and we don't feel that – we just feel that it, it, it's a losing proposition. Right. But you know, part of a financial advisor's job is to make sure their clients fit – you know what they're doing right and a lot of times it's so this landscape has become so complicated that you know some and i'm not saying that consumers don't know anything i'm just saying it's you know sometimes we have to lead them and that sometimes has led to over the years which is no big deal not getting clients sure because they're looking for different advice yeah well and maybe this comment that my 
my wife thought was particularly funny. It didn't strike me as odd or different or anything, but she read this and, and thought it was quite funny. So maybe other people out there are reading this. Uh, you made the comment is, our goal is not necessarily to make you rich, but make sure you have enough money for the rest of your life. And she, you know, her comment was, well, you don't want to make people rich? You know, you you know, I said, no, I think you misunderstood. You know, some people, yeah, they, they might get rich from doing this long-term philosophy. Maybe more clearly it should have been not to get people rich quick or, or some sort of scheme or plan something like that right well it's interesting because rich first of all the word rich is a very subjective totally yeah (laughs) that's so subjective rich to one person very different but ultimately i think the reason i probably said that is as you know if you're going to try to make sure someone has a stable (laughs) life in retirement and they're not having to freak out about money you are going to have to in some way shape or form curb greed right in your planning Greed that would always be short-term related. And in this bull market, you know, you're certainly going to run into it. If we're going to, you know, if we're going to look at a bull market and bet on emerging markets this last year, we would have been looking at returns in the 30 to 45% range. Yep. But we're never going to bet on something, putting someone's in our group, all their money in emerging markets. Because there's too much volatility there. And I think that's what I was getting at. Yeah. Well, no. And and I mean, I looked at it from the perspective of, you know, we have a lot of clients. Most clients say, listen, my goal is to make sure that me and my wife or me and my husband or just me, if it's a single person, has enough money to live for the rest of my life comfortably doing the things that I want to do. If there's money left over at the end of that, that's great. You know, I'd, I'd be nice to leave money to my heirs, to my charities, to whoever. But my main goal is to make sure that I've got enough money. As opposed to someone who says, I, I want to try to maximize that final balance. I, I want to try to make sure that I get as much money at the end as possible. Right. Right. That's a different objective. It so, is. And often... The type of client, not always, because we have some clients like this, but for the most part, the type of class is, I just want to maximize. I want to do the best I can, and then I want to die on my last dollar. I don't want to spend my last dollar, and then I'm dead. <laughs> so They're how- usually not our – well, first of all, nobody who sounds like Yosemite Sam is usually our client. <laughs> but that – mentality is really not the mentality that usually meshes with our planning. Somehow, Old Man Dividend has made an appearance. Old Man Dividend has come back to the podcast. There are are probably only three or four people in existence who know who that is, let alone people listening. So so then one last thing that I I mentioned my father-in-law after he read the article, he said, "I, I didn't understand what you meant by this term. Um, he said, what does decumulation planning mean? You know, what is that? He said, I've never heard of that. And, you know, he reads a lot and kind of has a passing interest in investing. I said, decumulation planning is basically this idea that most people work their lives accumulating money while they're working, but they don't spend much time thinking or learning about how to distribute the money. You know, now that you've saved this money, how do you spend it? What are the best strategies for that? The most tax efficient ways, um, you know, to deal with volatility in the investments. It, it's a different side from just plain accumulation planning. Um, 
Did you make up that de- decumulation thing? No, I wish I, I did. You're the first person I heard it from. Now, believe me, the, the whole industry has realized there's a, a market there. But it's interesting, the work we end up doing with people, it's like part of it is certainly trying to do the best we can on getting returns <laughs> through these upsets. But a lot of it is that decumulation planning. A lot of it is strategizing where we're going to take money from, strategizing what we're going to do with these required minimum distributions and mm-hmm. where to take that from. And, uh, and you know, you handle this part of the business, <laughs> not me, but, the, but I find that to be uh, – a big part of the work you do with anybody who you're when you're working with people in well, their you know sixties and seventies, yeah, and, I mean, and older, and we've just been thrown a, a curveball in all of that with the tax laws changing, um, because that means different tax rates, and that affects where you take money from, and and that affects everything. So that's all sort of changing and being upended uh, once again. So. All right. Thanks for listening. We will post uh, the link to this article if you haven't seen it already right here below the podcast, and we will check in with you again soon. 